eight of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you very much for spending your time with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. We are on to round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it has not disappointed, but it gets even better because Bet Online is offering you the chance to win some money while you watch. Because Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every game this postseason, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether it's the NHL, the NBA, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, we'll be talking Greg Carvel's extension at UMass and history being made in the OHL. But first, the NHL draft lottery has come and gone, and we now know that the Buffalo Sabres will have the first selection in this year's NHL draft. This is the first time the NHL held a lottery for two teams instead of three, and the second overall pick belongs to the Seattle Kraken, who move up one spot ahead of the Anaheim Ducks. This is the last lottery drawing. All 16 teams that did not make the playoffs are entered. We will move on to 11 teams next year. It's also the last year where a team can win the first overall selection back-to-back. And that will stop being the case next year. Two in a row is the most you can win for first overall. But Jess, the Sabres, Kraken, and Ducks are your one, two, three. Do you like the changes for the lottery? And how does this drawing fare for those teams? For one thing, I think it's overdue. The changes that they made... I mean, as much as being a Ranger fan, I enjoy the fact that the Rangers come up and bam, first, second pick. Great. But at the same time, the draft is about helping people restock their programs. And to see, you know, teams that have had bad records lose the first pick, eh, that's kind of wrong. But I do like it that Seattle gets the second pick because it gets them off to a really good start. Anaheim has been, you know, a team in transition. They really needed it. And we go, what, Jersey? They're going to be there for a while. So they'll be regular visitors to the lottery draft. Not Columbus. John Davidson has a really big mess in front of him. Detroit is Detroit right now. You know, the Sharks and the Kings, to me, round up the top eight. And that's how far I think you're going to go this year in terms of getting somebody that can instantly step in. After the lottery, I said this to a few people. I felt like because this was the last year of the old rules, it kind of felt like a boring way to go out. Don't get me wrong. I didn't really think that the Rangers, the Stars, the Flyers, the teams with one percent chance to win the whole thing really had a shot but we've had so many crazy trios in the past few years i feel like this was almost kind of a letdown but the rules are the rules you said it best jess so many teams at the bottom continually get screwed by the lottery so this is kind of a way to make it fair for them with buffalo getting number one overall pick i gotta tell you I almost feel bad for them. We go back to 2018, the last time the Sabres had the first overall pick. They took Rasmus Dahlin, and I feel like we're reliving that kind of draft because Dahlin was the best player available, but he wasn't a life-changing prospect. He wasn't Jack Hughes, Alexi Lafreniere, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. And now with the back-to-back rule in play, I think this hurts Buffalo because I'm not sure they're going to be able to get out of the basement. But in terms of who they take between the first two, Buffalo and Seattle, I think for both of them, it's best available. I think Buffalo needs help everywhere. Seattle is legitimately starting from scratch, so the pressure's really on for Anaheim here. If I had to guess, Power Beneers go one and two, so do the Ducks take Eklund 
Edvinson, Hughes, Gunther. There's so much pressure on the Ducks here to make this pick correctly. Otherwise, that's going to really set the dominoes in effect to really set up everyone else or screw them and what they take. But all in all, a bit of a letdown for a non-exciting lottery. I thought we'd have a big shakeup, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. Congrats to the Sabres on the number one overall pick. And to Seattle for moving up, too. Here's hoping they can use those picks correctly. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you. I think because Seattle moved up to two and Anaheim is into three, that we're going to see a really different draft. Yes, Owen Power, I agree. He's going to be the number one. But I think I see Seattle throwing everybody a curve. And I think they're going to go for Dylan Gunther of Edmonton because he's an instant stud. He's a power forward. He's got a good dynamic to him. And this is not a knock on anybody else. But for a franchise that's beginning to build... That's the smarter pick. Matthew Barniers, I think, is going to drop. I mean, remember we had Russ and Steve come on, and there's such a dispute between those two guys as to who's going to go where. I think you're going to see Barniers and Hughes actually fall down a little bit because New Jersey, Columbus, they're looking for instant, the instant gratification. And that's good for the teams that are in, like, say, the 12, 13, 14 slot because you know, we also got to remember Mason McTavish is moving up on a lot of people's cards. And I think he's going to wind up somewhere between three and five. I would love to see Seattle take Dylan Gunther because I think that puts Anaheim in the hot seat. Now, I'm not a professional, Jess. We know this very well from all of my predictions and picks from episodes past. We know I don't do this for a living, but... I always like to think when it comes to draft time, what does a team like Anaheim do in this position? Do they take a position where they can use some help like center, take Matty Beneers, or do they take a player at a position where they know they can hit? Because Anaheim has had a good team in the past. They've been a playoff team, but they're really known for their defense. Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, they've started the careers of Brandon Montour and Josh Manson. They can really handle defensemen. So do you take a guy like Luke Hughes, who has a ton of promise and can be one of your next great defenders, or do you try and take the stud center and revitalize your offense? It's really that catch-22 where you can rebuild that fantastic defense. It's almost like the Seattle Seahawks in football. They're known for their defense so well. They start to build on offense, but you know how well they can really handle that defense and be one of the best in the league. So do they go back to that, rely on what they know, build up their strengths, or do they try and come around with a more overall amazing team? I see Anaheim as an aging team, and they're aging everywhere. If it's me, I'm going to look at my defense I still got some life there. Maybe I'm going to go for, you know, the William Eklund, jumpstart the offense. They need the guys that fit their philosophy. You know, Anaheim has always been that almost physical wall type of team that you're playing against. And they played that mentality of we're just going to outwork you, outgrind you, and we're going to just stonewall you to death. So maybe they might take a curve. They go with young William Eklund who I think might be ready to come over right now. I think Anaheim needs to help today. So I, I, I don't see them going for guys that are in college. You're going to stay there a year. You know, that's Luke Hughes who's just going to college. I think they're going to go for instant help. Let's not leave out Brant Clark, who played, you know, over in Slovakia. 6'2", 185, right-handed defenseman, which is a pure rarity these days. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped up into the number three spot and Anaheim grabbed him. New Jersey, I think New Jersey is going to just 
look at what's left of the bunch. And I think that's where you're going to see Maddie Bernier's fall. I know everybody's going to go, but they got to take Luke Hughes, to, you know, so he could be with his brother. New Jersey has to look at what helps them the most. And I think Maddie Bernier's, Kent Johnson, let's not forget McTavish, Major McTavish. As good as Hughes is, how do you say no to these guys? I see New Jersey going into the, the guy that helps us the most rather than the brother reunion. Next up, the reigning national champions have locked up their head coach. Greg Carvel of the UMass Minutemen has signed a five-year extension with the program. He will be with the team through 2026. Carvel has been with the team since 2016 and has racked up 166 wins with the program, bringing them their first championship this past season. So Jess, your team, the UMass Minutemen, seem to have their guy. You like this move? You know, um... I've watched the coaching carousel. I would like to read the details of that contract because the one thing I want to know is what happens if an NHL team comes knocking at the door? Because even though he signed that extension, what's to say I'm I'm going to take a job at the NHL level if it's offered? I mean, we've seen it before. Quinn, Quinn at Boston University, he had an ironclad contract. And as soon as the Rangers showed him the money, he was gone. I mean, I'm UMass through and through. I, I loved him to death, but I hope he stays. I really do. I don't know. I just get this weird feeling that, you know, we're going to lose him. He's too good of a coach. Yeah, Carvel says he's happy, and I hope UMass can keep him happy because we had our friend Johnny Lazarus from Believe in New York Rangers on this show. He played under Coach Carvel, and one of the things I remember him saying is that UMass, after all these years, finally a fun team to watch and a lot of that has to do with coach Carvel. couple guys under his tutelage already in the nhl most notably kale mccarr but also guys like mario ferraro our guy zach jones but we're also starting to see some guys get drafted you know philip Lindbergh, matt kessel mark del Geizo. i think there's a direct correlation between the success of this team and coach Carvel because jess i looked into it you've got to go all the way back to elton mansell a century ago to find another umass coach with a winning record besides greg Carvel. I think this is a well-deserved contract. UMass is in good hands, and like you said, I hope they keep him happy in a place where he belongs because I think they'll be contenders for the foreseeable future with Coach Carvel behind the bench. Well, see, I have a different criteria of how he's successful. When other schools come and take his assistance, Carvel's lost, I think, two of his assistants in the last couple of years to become head coaches on their own. That, to me, says a lot because... That says that that's a program that everybody respects. I hope when they come for coaching the Olympic team that Carvel is one of the people that's considered. He sure as heck deserves to be at least, the very least, the under-20 coach for 2022. And finally, some history in the OHL. Taya Curry had her name go down in the record books Saturday as she was the first ever female to be selected in the 14th round of the OHL Priority Draft. The Priority Draft is designed for OHL clubs to earn the rights to sign players finally eligible to play at the Major Junior level. Curry's OHL rights now belong to the Sarnia Sting if she wishes to play at the Major Junior level. If she decides to play, she will lose eligibility to play at the NCAA level. But Jess, we've had a female selected in the queue and the dub. And now finally complete the trifecta. Finally, the OHL gets their first female taken in the priority draft. Do you think we'll see Miss Curry suit up for the Sting? Well, you know, the, the uh, Sting are owned by former NHL player Darian Hatcher. I 
think if they made this pick that they really do believe that she might be able to help them. I mean, she's only 16, so she's probably still going to be, you know, down at junior A for another year at the least. I really like the pick. I think it's overdue. I mean, women's hockey is growing in popularity. It's overdue that somebody drafted a young lady like this. And at the same time, I have a bug up my butt about people. This is a 16-year-old kid. If you're trashing the sting for making this pick, shame on you. If you're trashing this girl because she got picked, shame on you. You don't have the courage to come out and use your real name and all that other nonsense. Social media, sometimes I wish people would get their head slapped. This is a sweet young woman who's worked her butt off. She's trying to live her dream. And I hope that she gets a chance. I hope and I can't wait. The day that she gets to be on there, I want to watch that game. These women work their ass off to play hockey. And I don't understand why people don't like women's hockey. I've been doing some reading and what Taya Curry has over her peers is typically from what I've seen, Girls in Canada will transition to girls only from co-ed when they're 13 or 14 playing hockey. But Tay is 16 now. She's been playing in boys leagues for seven years. And from what I've seen from OHL scouts and writers, the girl can play. She can ball out, man. She's more than capable of doing this. But like I said before, if she plays in the OHL, she can't go to college. And selfishly, Jess, I wanted to go to college because you know that's my thing. The more college hockey is elevated, the happier I get. There's no reason, though, that Taya Curry can't handle herself in the OHL. The thing that I'm afraid of, though, is another goalie that Sarnia's got in their pipeline. That's Benjamin Goudreau, who just won a gold medal in the U18 World Juniors for Canada. And he's projected to be one of the best goalies in this draft. I'm afraid that she won't get the playing time someone of her skill level deserves. And that just feeds the internet trolls even more. And people just spat on their keyboards about how they were right, even though it's not their club or their money or their decision decision-making whatsoever. Taya Curry 100% has earned this right. She's absolutely ready to handle the OHL when she gets there. Props to her, props to the Sarnia Sting for making the right call here, doing what they can to better their team. I hope we see her get to suit up, whether that's in the OHL or in college. She'll be, hopefully, one of the best goalies in North America. So, best of luck to wherever her journey takes her, and I uh, hope we get to see a lot of success out of her game. Well, we keep forgetting, we're talking U.S. college. Just because she got drafted, the Canadian colleges might have her. This might be the next women's goalie for Hockey Canada. They're probably going to invite her to their goalie camp. She's going to get well trained. I think the only thing that concerns me about her is that she's 5'7". I think that might hurt her at any level, major, junior, and above. You know, if she was 5'10", 5'11", I'd say sure shot. but Five, seven, mm, she's got the skill set. She just might not have the size to fit the position. Yeah, definitely. Size is always a concern, especially anywhere in hockey. But how many undersized goalies have we counted out, Jess, that have come and surprised us? It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility for her to absolutely show us all up. Uh, I loved her quote. She, she says, uh, treat me like a normal player. Don't think of it as a girl that I stand out. I want to be a normal teammate to all the boys. I want to be a family with her. I mean, the mindset alone says she's awesome. So 
Good luck to her. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Lagrana for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects presented by Bet Online. My name is Luke Lagrana. I'm Jess Rubenstein. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen to us, and I hope you like us enough to give us a, a five star rating. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.